This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Buongiorno a tutti. Welcome to the January edition of News from the Fintech Front, the episode 213 of Breaking Banks Europe. My name is Paolo Seroni, and I'm here today with two distinguished guests. We have Bruno Macedo, if I pronounced that right. Perfect. Bruno, nice to see you. Yeah, perfect, perfect. And Natasha Kiprianidou. Natasha, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we have um, a lot of topics to discuss today as a reflection of what happened in the last few weeks. I just give you a hint about what we are going to discuss. Davos, of course, we heard a lot from Davos speakers, a lot of announcements, AI was top of the agenda. But the New York Times is somehow shedding a new light on the capability of OpenAI to move forward with a potential litigation on IP protection. Samsung, have you seen the latest phone from Samsung? Just an amazing AI-driven experience that leads into product discussion, what banks are doing to generate and create new products. Are they appointing new people? And finally, last but not the least, Quantum. Quantum is coming about the time, so we have news to discuss. But first of all, let me ask both Bruno and Natasha to introduce themselves so we have also an update on what's new on their agenda. They have tons of experience, but something may always be boiling on their plate. Natasha, let's start from you. Thank you. Firstly, excuse my uh, voice a little bit. I've got a bit of a flu, so sorry for the raspy <laughs> sound. Thanks for joining us um, anyway. Um, so I guess I've got lots of experience, 24 years to be precise, and believe it or not, um, in financial services. And um, I've mainly held positions like a digital leader and a product leader in organizations in Europe and in the UK. Um, I'd say that my areas of expertise can be grouped into three main ones. Um, so I've been building digital banks and transforming legacy organizations, and that's been one big area of focus. Another area have, has been that of large-scale product launches. And a third has been, and more recent, has been shaping new business and models and leveraging distribution channels like embedded finance to scale growth. Uh, last couple of years, the last few years, actually, I've been focused a lot on digital lending, and I've also moved into the wonderful world of consulting. So that's me. So based in London, with a look at what happens across Europe and beyond. Yes, London. Yeah. <laughs> Bruno. <laughs> Hi, good morning, and thank you for the invite. So I'm, I usually say I'm a wonderful mess of a technology uh, career. I've been working with technology, uh, I don't know, for the last 25, 30 years. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Portugal in, in an airbase and uh, started in economics and IT in the University of Lisbon. Out of that, I went into cybersecurity and national defense, um, business and competitive intelligence, a little bit across the world, working always as a CIO or somebody providing solutions of implementation of new technologies. 
And after coming out of the Middle East in uh, cybersecurity national defense, I started in around 2012 with uh, blockchains in a wonderful world of what is now known as fintech. Um, and I've been so uh, working across as either project manager, product owner, but always in the innovation area and providing solutions based into uh, new technologies. And just like both of you, I've been um, on my private life uh, digging into the uh, amazing, enthusiastic world of online, falling online, all the news around fintech and, and banking and technology overall. Okay, so that uh, uh, is the right tone for a good conversation with both of you. And uh, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to discuss a bit um, what we heard uh, in uh, the last uh, month, the last few weeks. So providing your perspective and picking up the topics that uh, I believe are the most interesting. I said at the beginning Davos uh, was on everyone's agenda to participate or to look at. Uh, uh, always a very interesting uh, event. There's many things that were discussed, uh, uh, but the one that got my attention is um, uh, in a conversation with uh, the chief executive officer of asset and wealth management division of JP Morgan Chase. Uh, we heard the number of uh, attacks attempts that the bank receives uh, every single day. And I wonder if you heard about that and you want to throw a number there. Are we in the thousands, in the millions? Where are we? You know, I don't know. I won't even risk it, but <laughs> can imagine it's a big number. But I don't know. Okay, let me say the number. I hope I can pronounce it all because there is a long series of zeros attached. Forty-five billion hacking attempts every day. Oh, wow. forty-five billion is out of proportions. And basically, she said that this is twice as much as they experienced the year before in 2022. So. Definitely, there's something going on. We all knew that the technology could be used for the good, but also for the bad. Then somehow the bad actors are even more, uh, if you like, proactive in leveraging technology to exploit the vulnerabilities uh, and to make their job done. And of course, the security is always the top of the agenda. Happy to hear that this 45 billion on a day attempt uh, um, didn't succeed. Um, but I think that, that there's something to reflect here as we get more and more connected uh, in a world that also becomes more unstable from uh, a macroeconomic perspective. So like actors may not only be individuals, uh, they can be now government and uh, more and more so, or very large uh, powerhouses. So anything that, uh, uh, that you want to comment on this one, Bruno? Yeah. Um... Oh, well, 45 billion a day. Uh, my mathematics is not good enough to tell you how much is that per second and how much would that cost in terms of computing power just to execute the attacks. I'm I'm from the age of the 90s where, you know, we would have a modem and I would be online as long as the modem would be online and it would turn off. On the year 2000s, you had your first web page and you could, you could be online a little bit even when you disconnect the modem. Um, lately, we were always online with social media and your and our businesses being online. But with 45 billion attacks a day, I don't know if anyone can sleep anymore. I think my first um, my first reaction is that um, we're beyond human capacity uh, for long now. Uh, we're beyond human capacity to respond and to be able to to keep up with this with with these uh, challenges. 
And at the same time, we can see how these uh, new technologies, and I know we're going to dive into those quantum and, 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 and AI and so on, we can see the effect of faster internet connections, uh, faster technologies, and how it has on the risk content, and on both sides, not only on the good sides, but on the bad sides. I would just say it's a pretty big number. I would never imagine the number to reach there. And, and, and we definitely need um, all the tools and better tools because it's clear that uh, even uh, gentlemen and ladies with not so good intentions are using the tools to, uh, to proceed with, with it. Yeah. And have the, the, the monetary capacity, of course. Yes, it is a big number. I'm not surprised that, um, uh, given what I heard from CEOs uh, in the past, in 2022, as I, the Institute for Business Value, we interviewed the 3,000 CEOs, uh, uh, which 270 from banking and financial banking institutions, asking them which are the top three challenges uh, for the organization. It was uh, a paper, a research on sustainability. So in general, they tend to they said sustainability, regulation, cyber risk. But when it came to the 270 CEOs of banks, they said cyber risk, 79%, followed by regulation, 60%, so a big gap. So cyber risk has always been on top of the mind of the CEOs of the C-suite. And, uh, and rightly so. We know that financial services is the second industry in terms of uh, the cost of data breaches worldwide consistently, uh, preceded only by healthcare, which have, especially during the pandemic, uh, exposed uh, uh, many new vulnerabilities in terms of data for the citizens uh, and the potential exploitation of, of that for uh, um, uh, rock trading. And, and we know that uh, sometimes uh, the cost can be managed, uh, but uh, the cost that can be generated when it be, they become large, when the amount of data is very large, one to one billion is stunning. It's like more than 300 million on average. So that's super relevant. So Natasha, that means that products, when they're created, need to create it with a security mindset. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's already been articulated very well, the importance of um, cybersecurity and uh, as a theme anyway, it always um, stands as a priority. Um, and data security, and I know that we will be diving more into Gen AI uh, later, but as we share data and, um, and generate data and the control around it um, becomes even more important. I mean, just thinking of this staggering figure is, is uh, like phenomenal. So now, Generative AI, Davos. Um, um, I guess you both attended uh, uh, what happened uh, on the Swiss Alps, uh, of course, uh, high-level gathering of people. There was a key topic uh, that everybody discussed. Uh, I, I had that perception, I believe, you had it too. There was AI, generative AI. So, Natasha, what is the thing that, um, if you like, uh, um, got your attention uh, reading the commentaries from uh, the Swiss Alps? Sure. Well, firstly, I mean, um, AI and Gen AI overhyped. Um, huge campaign around AI by OpenAI and Microsoft, um, and everyone's commenting around that too. Um, so that seems to have been the big um, topic as expected anyway. So um, uh, more like a world AI forum <laughs> um, or turned into that. Um, one, I think, important launch, which is moving a little bit away from AI for a moment, um, uh, has been the launch of climate uh, G GPT. Well, it's not actually moving away from AI. It is um, integrating it into that conversation, but taking another important theme, um, that of climate change, um, and then uh, marrying it with AI. That has been a pretty um, impressive, I would say, launch. Uh, and that was done at Davos. So 
um, that's what um, attracted my attention at least. Well, I suspect that also measuring uh, the uh, climate impact uh, on some large language models uh, would be very interesting as it might contradict some of uh, these scopes that uh, corporates are setting for themselves and for the planet as well. So as always, um, it's a trade-off, right? And it's harder to manage, but it has to be managed. And Bruno, from uh, your perspective, I understand you were actually traveling last week. Uh, was, I just, yeah, I was in Dubai and uh, it's it, it's interesting that as you travel and uh, going from uh, Sweden where we do electric boats and coming to Dubai with also implementing hybrid cars and, and also uh, uh, the country itself um, applying for better rulings. I, I wouldn't go away from what Natasha mentioned that uh, it was it, it's interesting to see how we're trying to get together um, global objectives with, with AI. Uh, for me, what gathered my attention is this... Um, overwhelming um, open up of the eyes that this this is going to change. This is going to be a radical change across our industry. We're just starting with really at the beginning. It's like 10, 12 months ago that ChatGPT came out and, and the impact is tremendous on works, on, on people's lives. At Davos, I found it interesting how from one side, we're trying to calm down the fears that uh, AI is not the boogeyman; it's going to kill us uh, next next week. But on the other hand, the pressure, as Natasha mentioned, the pressure to go cross industry, infrastructure-wise, solution-wise. So basically, in every in every uh, speech that I watched at Davos, and I, I remember the one around uh, the London Stock Exchange and so on, there was the mentioning uh, how every single process, which is uh, less human-based and more uh, and more analytics and data related, it's going to be enhanced and, and improved, not only to help uh, uh, the big corporates that had access to it, but now to pretty much every uh, other tier of banks and other tier of organizations. And the impact was not clear, but to me, it caught my attention that this is going to be real in 2024. By the end of the year, I'm expecting us to be, again, having this conversation, what happened this year and what were the implications across industry. In general, hi. In general. And in, in, in reality, yeah. so the, the the hype of so the, the big hype of this is going to change your life. Uh, uh, I don't think we're 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 going to see it as well, uh, that much, but it is going to change definitely uh, the industry across as we know it and how players are going to go to it. So if we're going to use the fintech hubs or the banking hubs to 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 collaborate with it, and I know you're you're an expert in the area and how to grasp that AI, uh, it's going to be a, a good challenge. Bruno, I get the chance uh, this very week, I'm also releasing my next research paper on uh, banking and AI, regenerate banking with AI. And I have a pretty interesting uh, number that I want to anticipate to all of uh, our uh, guests uh, and the people in the audience. I interviewed 600 executives worldwide, head of uh, AI strategy and data, asking them where they are in terms of evaluation or implementation of 19 different use cases across uh, risk and compliance, uh, client engagement, uh, uh, IT development activities, as well as other support areas can be HR or audit and finance. And you know what the numbers are. 14% of the organizations said that they don't intend to use generative AI. They have no plan currently. 8% are very systematic in their approach. Basically, they are currently in production or developing, preparing to go live with uh, multiple use cases across all of these four domains. And uh, the remaining and very high number of 78% of the institutions are uh, going live or are working for that, uh, um, work with that with one of the various use cases that I put in front of their attention. So 
every bank more or less is doing something. There's not a single pattern. No, nobody's really doing exactly the same thing that the others are doing. That's also pretty interesting. But effectively, there's a lot of uh, happening in the financial uh, uh, services world but to be seen how much that can turn into effective boosts in terms of productivity and economic value or value for the consumers. So I believe that 2024 will be the year where we effectively see this coming life and we'll be able to judge basically where the industry is going uh, towards. But uh, not only Davos uh, and AI, but also OpenAI and the New York Times. Uh, Natasha, you might have heard uh, about uh, the um, potential litigation, actually the real litigation that the New York Times put forward uh, um, accusing OpenAI to infringe uh, copyright. Uh, it's very interesting. They provided evidence that uh, the text that was created uh, knowing his probabilistic text was exactly 100% some articles that uh, the New York Times uh, published uh, earlier on. And now, I remember the time when Napster was trying to change the way we were consuming music, and then some, I call it an Napster moment. So basically there was a litigation from the major uh, um, uh, records uh, um, uh, owners and producers. Uh, and so that faded away to basically be transformed afterwards with Spotify, different way of, uh, or basically a different business model. Do you think that we are facing that moment uh, in 2024? So law would basically rightly so protect uh, the creators uh, and uh, and basically put a halt on uh, uh, this hype on uh, publicly uh, owned and trained uh, large language models. Well, that's an interesting correlation um, between Napster and um, well, the, the impact, let's say, of Gen AI or negative impact. Um, or repercussions. Um, I'd say uh, the Napster story um, is a little bit different. So that was more intentional. The infringement by Napster, uh, corporate infringement in general, was more intentional. So the illegal uh, element of it um, was something that was intentional, hence why it's no longer around. Um, with Gen AI, it's a different uh, situation. So it's like a, the genie's out of the bottle, maybe prematurely. Um, so now um, we're just delving into the unknown and trying to figure it out as we go along um, with all the risks that come with all that. Um, but um, doing it responsibly, as they say, um, there's two things to consider. One, um, and a lot of talk about this, is uh, the human in the loop. So, so you need to have that human intervention um, uh, and that helps keep things a bit more ethical and responsible. Um, and there's also those hallucinations and inaccuracies that um, come with, with all this. So it's not um, just so much the intentional aspect, it's also all these other um, side effects, I suppose. But um, then it's being careful around content and licensing the content, so the intellectual property aspect, uh, mm -hmm. making sure that all of that is licensed. Um, and then we touched upon data security, how you share it, train your AI models, uh, making sure that all of that is controlled um, and who accesses it and how it's encrypted and so on. So if, if it's more controlled and then how banks leverage this um, given they are um, the most regulated or one of the most regulated uh, spaces. Um, like we've seen JP Morgan and we've seen Goldman Sachs experiment with this type of technology. 
it's that human intervention, the human in the loop that um, keeps things a bit more safe. So I th that's my take on it at the moment. In essence, I guess it's past the time where institutions do experimentation with AI, and especially now with generative AI, is really about a consistent approach to building a platform that takes care of all of the risks, where somehow you need to risk manage AI and also, you know, manage risk with AI on, on the other side. But Bruno, did you use generative AI for anything in the last uh, month? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm working in innovation at Temenos. We've been we've been we've been looking at um, uh, across from products to uh, to code to to the to the assessment of documents itself. And as Natasha said, so I'm um, I'm more looking into the source itself. Uh, I was used to we had news.google.com, so even Google was was at, at the time uh, mentioned that they had to to do a better job when uh, retrieving and and uh, and crawling for information across newspapers and how, how they would take advantage of of that uh, of that point. On on today's aspect, um, especially for the financial and banking, uh, and and also on the software industry for finance, um, we need to be careful on the outcome. So uh, crawling the data, gathering the data is one part, but we are terrified uh, um, because it's a very regulated uh, industry. We're terrified or putting our names on the result. The human aspect, as Natasha mentioned, is super important, but also making sure there's no hallucinations. But I'm not going to hide, Paolo. There, there is uh, a tremendous um, appetite and, and potential across uh, what at my, I personally have seen across data, the results. I think it's um, AI and generative AI will pose um, a big pressure on data and analytics as we know it. Um, the tools for native analytics and the results will will change with this because now I, I can actually interact with a machine that will probably give me most of the analytics that um, five years ago, not so long ago, I would probably need a data scientist and a data expert to provide me. So I'm very keen to see what's coming out. Uh, but coming back to your initial point, I, I truly think that uh, Microsoft and other hyperscalers will uh, have to uh, work double shift uh, with the regulators on getting terms and conditions that will probably... Uh, uh, allow them to run away from that Napster moment. Okay, so now, I don't know what type of phone, which brand do you use? I have an iPhone from Apple. I have a Samsung. <laughs> Samsung? Yeah, Samsung. I have a Samsung. Samsung as well. Yeah. Okay, so I did you somehow it's the first time in my life because I'm Apple addicted that as I saw the launch of the new Samsung phone powered with AI, where it can do so many things that I yet don't think I can do with my iPhone. Uh, all of the people in the audience that listen to this show, I presume they should be able also to get a translation directly into their own uh, native language so that they can flatten my accent <laughs> and have a good experience. Have you heard about that, Bruno? Yeah, I actually in Dubai where I where I arrived, I actually le left the Temenos conference uh, for a little bit to have a picture with a robot from Samsung that would take me to the to the presentation. I was uh, I was too early. Uh, the presentation was an hour later. I, I thought I was going to catch it right away, uh, but it was interesting that they even uh, they even took the, the the effort to bring a, a robot to take us to the to the official presentation on 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 the event. Uh, what I what I find more mass uh, fascinating, of course, we have this this. Uh, Multi-model AI, where we can see an image and bring the image, and we, we could go back to the copyright infringement on also image and not only text. 
Uh, what I find more fascinating, Paul, is that we've been talking across the industry from hyper-personalization and using the data to personalize, personalize and get better solutions and to embrace the consumer in a, in, in, in a, in a better way for, for years now. And I think this is a huge step on that hyper, right? That this is the connection. I can create a prompt on my, on my phone that will be uh, kind of my characteristics and I, I can, in the future, most probably um, in the near future, um, and we see already some signs in the industry, in the backing industry, probably tell them, use the image to capture the building in front of me, check if uh, I can buy it, check my financial schedule a meeting, and uh, uh, check the, the property price, uh, make, arrange my assets in order that I can buy it. And, and I think the phone, the Samsung uh, AI phone release is just the tip of the iceberg. And, and we're going to see a lot of news. And that's and, and for us, for the financial industry, it's going to be interesting. That's, to a very nice, that's a very nice example. Actually, this week I will be in Stockholm for the launch of this research on uh, generative AI banking. And it's a moment where we invite seven startups, seven fintech to discuss uh, potential use cases. And one of these is about basically real estate and collecting different type of data to basically uh, provide information to people, right? About uh, yeah. uh, the, the potential investments. And Natasha, uh, as a Samsung uh, owner, did maybe buy the new phone? Did you order it? Oh, no, but um, I'm tempted at, the, at this point. <laughs> um, but but uh, if, as you mentioned, use cases and mobile AI, and, and again, how the two are interlinked here, I think um, one prevalent use case is that of content creation. And then bringing that to the phone and revolutionizing that through AI, I think, um, is something that we haven't uh, seen even 1% of what can be done. Um, so the, the type of content that you will be able to create um, at professional level, especially video and um, photography, um, things have evolved dramatically, but um, I think there's a, a still a lot more to be done here from a professional standpoint. And then the editing aspect. So it's always been a nightmare um, to to edit, especially video, um, audio, and, and and these types of uh, content. Um, so making that much more efficient and and available to anyone to be able to do, I think, would be something amazing. So Natasha, uh, this Samsung story is a wow moment, right? Uh, and uh, we all know how difficult it has been in the last years uh, to find that wow moment in banking. So a lot of bankers have been looking for that, but always finding it. Um, there is uh, a prominent uh, private bank in Switzerland, for example, that uh, uses generative AI to consume research and generate a very short podcast. Uh, that private bankers can share uh, with their wealthy yeah. individuals also to reach out to them. That's interesting, right? Maybe there's more than it, but truly interesting. Um, it is about the product. Okay, so we saw uh, there were kind of a number of uh, uh, changes in the market, people moving around. Uh, um, I, I, I believe you're in touch with all of this uh, in your position. So um, products, managers, and owners. Uh, so, so what do you see happening and, and what do you believe uh, is uh, the next thing to unlock the value of uh, the, yeah. the CPOs? So I guess um, as a product leader myself, um, even though now I'm a consultant, but still I consider myself a, a product person, um, I, I monitor a lot the space and, and the evolution of product management in general. So if we take that and, and see how digital transformation has been going on, um, 
and um, led usually by CIO, or up to, until, until this point, it was led by CIOs and CTOs. Um, and the focus has been on producing, um, let's say, projects or launching projects and features. Um, there's now been a shift um, from looking at launching projects and features to a shifting to the focus on product and value for the customer and outcomes and measuring those outcomes. And you need um, uh, a chief product officer, let's say, and a focus on product management to advocate for the customer. So um, there have been a few appointments uh, by banks and positioning this kind of role uh, at more senior levels at C-suite, let's say, previously it was more peripheral as a function. Now it's becoming more elevated um, and seen as a revenue driver. So a couple of examples of banks um, in the last couple of months that we've seen um, appoint CPOs. Uh, one is ClearBank. In fact, they, they poached um, a person from Barclays that was a CPO there, and they appointed that person as their CPO. I think they started this month. And then um, another was poaching a person from 10X, um, and that was the Bank of London, and appointing a CPO. So. Um, these are just some examples of moves that we've seen um, that show the direction, I guess, um, of travel for product management. So, Bruno, what about product uh, um, officers? Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to. So, um, I think Natasha ma mentioned the majority, but it's interesting how we see the, the, the financial industry and the banking industry, millennial by, by definition, Italian millennial by definition, moving towards agile, towards uh, more product based, and all with the intention to adapt themselves quicker and quickly to um, not only the consumer, but the customer, uh, either that being another, another bank or, or a retail customer at the end how they have adapted. And I think the, the, the rise of the chief product officers, it's exactly that. It, it's, it's to shift the product vision into something more than just uh, the, the delivery of a product based on internal specifications and what the company used to internally believe would be the market and how to have a tangible uh, risk uh, feeling together with clients at a more constant base on what's going on. I think we're going to witness um, that, that rise to continue this year together with, with the challenge on the technology that we just mentioned. Oh, question for both of you. Where would you want to see that wow moment in banking again? Or the CPO? I don't know, in general. Which area, which... Uh... Um, the, the, the one that we, the one that we mentioned on, on the hyper-personalization, I think we have been as consumers, we've been dreaming to have that power in our hands to, to split my, uh, my savings in the best interest on how to uh, optimize without having to have that advisor coming out or buying a house. I think that's going to be the well moment when I can look at my phone and, and, and ask my phone how to optimize a shop, uh, a, a purchase, uh, a landing, a new house, I think that's going to be the wow moment. Mm -hmm. me, and the, me and the fall. Well, we're seeing um, wow moments evolve gradually. Um, I'd say leveraging AI, um, and it's already being leveraged in areas like lending, lending, but there's a lot more to be seen in lending, credit decisions, and so on. Um, and again, done more quickly, speed um, in, in that space. Okay, so my wow moment, and I'm sure it can be realized in 2024, I doubt it's a bit too early, but we're getting there. We just released uh, the first 1000 quantum qubit quantum computer. Okay. So now quantum, a bit at a time, is coming. So would love to have a quantum wow 
if you like. Uh, um, on the one side, uh, um, there is uh, all around the quantum cryptography, if you like. We know that quantum computing can also be used basically to break through uh, security. We heard at the beginning of this show 45 billion hacking attempts per day. So definitely leveraging AI and now imagine when that would be powered uh, with quantum capabilities. Uh, so banks are uh, now considering seriously uh, more than ever to start protecting themselves, even though that capability is not there in the hands of uh, the RAG actors. But then on the other side, uh, there's an immense amount of uh, potential capabilities uh, that quantum computing can bring uh, to the to the real world uh, in all industries, also financial services. Uh, so. What do you guys think about it? I, I just read that JP Morgan Chase invested in uh, in a new quantum uh, computing firm. So, Bruno, um, Paulo, I think it it's going to be an amazing mix with AI and quantum. I I I, I think I consider myself somebody open minded and, and and close to technology, but I cannot even anticipate what you can get out of it because. Quantum works in a different way, works in a specific way. Quantum is amazing for certain things. It doesn't work for everything, and it might be complemented with, with, with AI. So if you think about AI simulations uh, together with quantum, uh, the results uh, can only be uh, uh, pretty wow, pretty amazing. So I'm really curious to see what's what's coming out of, uh, uh, of the usage of quantum technology, of quantum experts um uh and into the financial industry but i'm sure that uh algorithm algorithm wise so we're going to go past bayesian calculations so for fund management for uh prediction provisions and so on and so forth monte carlo simulations i can only imagine how interesting that's going to be together with with um with the, the the evolution of gen ai and others in other uh, ai complements uh in all honesty uh I don't even think the tip of the iceberg is there. The computing power is is, is starting to, to to be reachable, and with AI, I'm I'm only uh, expecting to see uh, uh, quite interesting results on cybersecurity and 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 me and the financial history. So for our audience, quantum computing is not replacing existing computing, but it's like traveling from Frankfurt to London. You take a taxi to go to the airport and then you catch a flight to continue your journey. So that will be the same. For some activities, you will do the traditional computer, that's your taxi. And then for others, you accelerate using quantum. That's basically the way it's going to to, to work. And, and Natasha, what do you think about quantum and the potential? Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with everything that um, Bruno has said. Um, and also the extent of uh, the investment by JP Morgan, the $300 million uh, invested in it, shows how much they believe um, uh, could come out of this technology. Still early stages, um, but seems to have huge promise around how it can advance AI um, and other areas. So to be seen. So we started this uh, 213 episode of uh, News from the Filter Front talking about uh, AI generated threats to the security of banks. We concluded with quantum potential <laughs> threat. Okay, and it only comes with also basically. We, we just said you have to uh, manage AI, but also manage your risk with AI. And the same is uh, with quantum computing and all of the uh, algorithms that that, that, that that comes with. So I thank you both uh, for uh, having joined this episode uh, and having provided so much uh, interesting perspective to the Breaking Banks uh, Europe audience. 
I said that this is uh, the episode 213, the first uh, of the year, the January edition of News from Peter Front. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.